When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome in. It is a special edition of the Albert Breer Show, the day after the the first round of the NFL draft. And because everybody's always talking about the quarterbacks, I wanted to give you guys some special perspective on how each guy fits each place he's going. Obviously a very, I'd say, newsworthy night in the way everything came down. At the end of it, we had the chalk, which was Trevor Lawrence becoming a Jaguar, Zach Wilson becoming a Jet, a curveball in Trey Lance becoming a Niner. Most people thought Mac Jones would wind up there. And then a couple of, I think, guys who slid a little bit but wound up in logical places. The Chicago Bears need a quarterback. They trade up for Justin Fields. And Mac Jones um, goes to the New England Patriots. And to help us with all of this, we're going to bring in my favorite quarterback expert, an old buddy of mine, and um, guy who used to sit next to me on a TV set. Uh, he's at Sirius XM Radio now, uh, former Notre Dame head coach, former Patriots offensive coordinator, former Chiefs offensive coordinator, former Kansas head coach, Charlie Weiss. What did I miss, Charlie? Did I get enough there? He's an offensive coordinator of Florida as well. But the, yep. And, and the Jets. And yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm just means I'm old. Or, I missed a couple. I missed a couple. It just means I'm old. Okay. Well, like, let's start here. Um, your big takeaway when you look at how the quarterbacks fell, I want to break down each fit and how, you know, you think each guy is going to work in the place that he's at. Um, but when you see the, you know, five guys come off the board in the first 15 picks, you know, quarterbacks going one, two, three for just the third time ever. Um, I think 71 and 99 were the other two. Um, what was your big takeaway from the first night when it came to that position? Well, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was everyone's first pick. So that, you know, that that was the simplest one that we could talk about out of all of them. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons Urban took the job, you know, because he knew that, you know, waiting in the wings would be Trevor Lawrence you know, you get one of these players every decade, you know, that, that come out at least on, on, on appearance. That's what it looks like it's going to be. So, I mean, that was the easy one. Really, the intrigue starts after him. Yeah. Because if you look at these other guys, people are all over the place. Now, I know all, all, all over the place, it's been assumed for quite some time that Zach Wilson was co coming, going to the Jets. The, the the question I have is why? Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, why was Zach Wilson always the guy? Because if let's just take just Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Let's take Trey Lance and 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 um, Jones out of this. You know, Mac Jones out of this for the time being. What what does what does Zach Wilson? What has he done that Justin Fields hasn't done? Yeah. I mean, it's a fair against, question against lesser competition, right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. Now, I have no disrespect for Zach Wilson. 
I just don't understand it. I mean, I just, but you know, it did play out that way. So whether the Jets were letting people knew that know that that was that was their guy or not, I mean, it was all over the place that they were taking Zach Wilson. So, and, and they did. So therefore, you know, that match seemed to be fine. The real re, real intrigue of this entire draft, as far as leading up to yesterday. Forget about Aaron Rodgers for a second, but uh, <laughs> leading up to yesterday was San Francisco given all that collateral to come up to three to take their quarterback of the future and us not knowing who it was. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, I mean that's, that's really something if you think about it, that there were only a couple of things that could have happened. Number one, they came up to three saying, look it, after we like at least three guys enough to come up to, to number three. And one of them was there or the jets could have said, look at, because of the relationship between Sala and, and, and the organization said, look, we're going to take Zach Wilson. We're in the AFC. You're in the NFC. We're going to take Zach Wilson this way. You can get ready to take whoever you want. Right. Well, that could have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it did happen, but it could have happened. Or it could have just been, you know, go do your due diligence and find out which one you want it to be and go ahead and take one. You know, everyone assumed it was going to be Mac Jones for quite some time. But think about how the odds changed in the last three weeks. Yep. At different times, all those quarterbacks were favored to be the guy. Right. All three of them were favored to be the guy at different times. So at the end of the day, they go with Lance. A bit of a surprise to me, but, you know, as of yesterday morning, he was the favorite Vegas odd favorite. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't in Vegas, you know, that they thought he was going there. But that was a bit of a surprise to me. And when that happened, you know, all everything hit the fan, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a trickle-down effect, and it just wasn't where Justin Fields and Mac Jones ended up. It was because they didn't end up taking more than three quarterbacks in the, in the top ten picks yep. that affected a lot of other picks in the first round. Right, you know, A lot of other player uh, positions were, were taken because quarterback spots, when they're eaten up, that's another player that gets pushed down closer to the rest of the pack. So it was really interesting. And I think the the real winners of this really were both the Bears and the Patriots. Right. Because and the Bears knew they couldn't get into the top ten. They didn't have the collateral to get into the top ten to go after one of their guys. And then all of a sudden it's outside the top ten. Yeah. Now they're now they could go ahead, they were in striking range. Yep. They could go up and hey, look at they had to give up collateral, but they had to get them one of the main one of the main guys. Justin right. Fields wasn't just a guy; he might have been the second best quarterback in a whole draft. Yeah, he, and that's what, the amazing thing about the value of it to me. Like I look at it, Charlie, and it's like a lot of people are saying the cliff in this draft. Like te- teams are going to be in their second round grades by the time you get to like seventeen or eighteen. So maybe the Bears were looking at a guy taking a guy where they were at at twenty. And maybe that guy had a second round grade for them versus a guy who may have been the second overall pick. And maybe if he had stayed at Ohio State for another year, he would have been the number one overall pick next year. 
And so like, that's where I kind of like look at it. Like if you're the bears, you're looking at it and saying, okay, we'd be getting the equivalent of a second rounder at 20. So why wouldn't we give up next year's one to go and do this? If this is a guy who we think could be, you know, whatever, maybe the first pick in 2022. We chastised the bears a lot, right? Bert. Yeah. The last few years, they've, they've gotten hammered on pretty good, but you have to say, I wouldn't call this a gutsy move. I thought it was a smart move. Yeah. I really did. And to be honest with you, I thought it was a smart move for the Giants as well. You know, I thought that was a win-win trade. And how many times is there a win and a win on a trade? Yeah. Usually somebody wins and somebody loses. Yeah. Well, once Devontae Smith wasn't there for the Giants, I mean, trading down and getting Tony, uh, trading down and getting Tony and picking up the extra collateral, I thought that was a smart move by the Giants as well. I think both teams ended up on the long end of the stick, and that hardly ever happens. Right. So before we jump into like the each one of these guys, um, I do want to give you a chance to answer this because I always think this is so interesting: Um, the nature versus nurture argument. And like you know, I I always think of I, I of course think of Tom and how he came up and. Like no pressure on him, you know he's sort of anonymous. I mean, he's quarterback at Michigan, so he's not anonymous. But he comes in as a sixth round pick, um, and he has a year where he's kind of able to develop in the shadows. And then, you know, obviously one thing leads to another. You guys create the right environment. So just like when you look at the way these guys are developed, how big a factor is the situation that each guy goes into? Like, so- how big a factor is it? Like one guy's situation versus the next guy's situation in what they'll ultimately become. I think, I think it's underestimated by a lot of people. I do. I think, I think it makes a big difference. The situation, the coaching they're in they're, the players they're playing with the environment, the team, the division. I think all those things factor in. I'm going to give you, I'm going to use a current example, Sam mm-hmm. Darnold. Sam Darnold's going into year four. I liked him come out of college. I didn't love him. I liked Baker more than him. But I did like him second. I liked him more than Josh Allen, even though Josh mm-hmm. Allen's played better. I did like him better than Josh Allen. Right now, he's going into his fourth year in the league. I have no idea if he's any good. How can that be? Yeah. <laughs> How can it be that after three years in the NFL and where he's played, I don't know if he stinks or if he's, or if it was just the environment that he was in. Now, right. Why is that? Well, coaching's part of the blame, right? Yep. He's he's part of the blame. Coaching's part of the blame. Management's part of the blame. His teammates are part of the blame, and the whole negative atmosphere around the organization <laughs> is part of the blame. All those things are are part of that. Now. I'm really fascinated to see what's going to happen when he is. Hey, look at they just picked up his fifth year option today. Yeah. So they wanted to see what they did in the first round if they were going to take a quarterback. Well, they didn't take a quarterback, so they picked up his fifth year option. You know, Sam Darnold. Two years from now, you might we might say, "Wow, look how good he was." But right now, we couldn't say that. Mm-hmm. You know, we we couldn't say how good he is because there's no evidence of it at this time. And then the flip side is like Patrick Mahomes, who is coached by Andy Reid, who had great tackles, who hang on one second, Charlie. He's at, I'm asking. Oh, he said, uh, can you turn off the sound of your notifications on your phone? Sorry. That's the, that's the producer. 
Okay. Can I turn? How am I do it? Yeah, I guess your emails are on your computer, he said. I'm going to do that one step further. Okay. I'm just going to turn my phone off. Okay, all good. All right. You ready to go, Shelby? So, okay. Shelby can't bitch me. My phone is off. <laughs> okay. All right. Three, two, one. I mean, the flip side then is Patrick Mahomes, right? Like coached by Andy Reid, so he has that going for him. The two tackles in front of him, both big money players, Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz. He's thrown to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. He's, you know, it was first year playing. They draft the guy who wins the rushing title. So, I mean, I mean, maybe Patrick Mahomes would have made it anyway. Obviously, he had a lot, like there's a lot there, regardless of what was around him. Can I but, one thing? Yeah, and and he learned under Alex Smith on top of it. Yeah, I mean, but that's significant. We can't down you can't downplay the the type of person he came behind. Yeah, because we heard Joe Flacco say, "I'm not here to mentor the young guys." Well, Alex Smith is just the opposite of that. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. There are certain guys that don't do all they can to help young guys get better. And so that was part of Patrick Mahomes' great part of Patrick Mahomes' greatness can be attributed to the relationship that he had with Alex Smith. Right. All right. Let's go one by one through these then. And um, you know, I, I guess we could just start right off the top. Like, a, do you agree that Trevor Lawrence is a generational prospect? Like you, like we, like you said off the top, like a once in a, like once since Andrew Luck type of prospect. And then B. What do you think about the fit playing with playing for Urban Meyer in Jacksonville? Oh, I think that I think that I believe he is a generational type of player, number one. And two, I think that Urban is a smart guy. Okay, he brings in two veteran guys to run the offense, both Bevel and Schottenheimer, right? He brings in mm-hmm. two, not just one. So you got two guys work, working working on that group together, okay? Because Urban basically wants to run the team, not run the offense. Mm-hmm. So he brings in two veteran guys, and those guys have been around good players. I, for example, Russell Wilson, right? You know, and I think they got a pretty good idea what, when you have a talent to figure out what to do with them. Uh, I could say that relatively safely based off of watching and based off of the evidence. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I just, you mentioned, you know, Shadi and Bevel. Bevel worked with Russell as a rookie and started Russell as a rookie. And then Shadi, if I'm not mistaken, was the OC for Mark Sanchez when he was a rookie with the Jets. So not only those guys have experience, but really good quarterbacks, they have experience having started rookie quarterbacks, which I would think makes a difference too. Well, it, it helps, but really, when you're starting a rookie quarterback, it it's like starting anyone for the first time. You, you have to figure out what they do well and just do more of that. You know, too many times coaches want to do have good ideas, but the players can't handle those good ideas. So what difference does it make if you have a good idea if the players can't handle it? You know, you got to give them stuff that they can handle. What separates Trevor? Like, if you look at Trevor being generational, what separates Trevor? Well, he's got a lot of the qualities that Mac Jones has, only he's much more athletic. Yeah. I mean, so, like, so Mac, so 
you know, Trevor Lawrence is Mac Jones on steroids because he's bigger, bigger, faster, stronger, you know, like stronger arm. You know, the only thing he hasn't that he is behind Mac Jones is he has not been exposed to as much offensive philosophy as as Mac has, both with Brian Dable, you know, when yep. he was younger, and then Sarkeesian afterwards. Right. So, you know, coming into the NFL, he's he has more to learn than Mac does walking in the door. Okay. Zach Wilson with the Jets. What do you think about his fit with um, with Michael Floor now, Robert Sala, first-year head coach, first-year offensive coordinator? They're going to try to take the Shanahan offense there. What do you think of Zach Wilson's fit in New York? Well, see, no one's comparing him to the guy that I would compare him to. Who is? Baker. Baker, okay. That's who he reminds me of. What do you see? What, what, what elements of Baker's game do you see with him? He can th- make any throw from anywhere, from any position, you know, and tough, athletic. You know, he's probably a little bit more athletic than Baker, but, you know, don't turn down anything. You know, moxie, you know, you know just because you roll to the left in shorts and throw the ball across the field doesn't make you, you know, God's gift to the world. Okay. Right. And he was playing against a lower level of comp than some of these other guys were. But he reminds me a lot of Baker in his composition. What do you think the challenge like cause you coached for both the Jets and the Giants? How is it different playing in New York? Like how is it different for being being a quarterback in New York? And how do you think I mean, how do you think a kid who grew up in Utah and played at BYU is going to handle that? Like what sort of adjustment do you think that's gonna be for him? Well, you know, he's probably Mormon, so he's gonna have to learn where the temple is. Yeah. You no, know, and not that, not that there's going to be a huge Mormon population, but there's there's a Mormon population everywhere. So it's not right. going to be a question of whether or not he can do that. But that's not my point. My point is it's all going to depend on the guidance and leadership of both the coaches and the management. Because I think that any time a guy comes in, he is going to be your team spokesman on offense, right? Yeah. He's going to be the guy. He, you know, that he needs to be the guy on championship teams. Have you ever seen a quarterback that wasn't the guy when it came to talking to the media? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always it's always been that way. So I think he's going to need some guidance, and I think that they'll give him guidance. This isn't just going to be just thrown to the wolves to the media because, as you know, if you just go and just you're an outspoken, just go ahead and speak – especially as a young guy in the metropolitan area, you'll get eaten by the wolves, so to speak. So he's going to need some guidance. So are you limiting him then as far as what, like, are you saying, listen, like we just got to kind of, you just got to be a football player this first year. And we got to, and we got to kind of like limit what you're doing and keep you kind of away from the bright lights of the city that you're playing in. Or is there no avoiding that? Or do you just do you, do you think he needs to adjust to it and it's better to get that started right away? I know. We used to tell rookies, for example, mm-hmm. just come in and keep your mouth shut. When you've done something, we'll let you talk to the media. Right. That was our yeah. philosophy. When you've done yeah. something in this league, maybe we'll let you talk to the media, but you haven't done anything yet. All right. you've done is get drafted. You haven't done a darn thing. So just get, put your nose at the grindstone and we'll worry about the media later on. 
Now, when they first come in, there's the dog and pony show. You have <laughs> to go through it. But other than that, you shouldn't hear a lot of this guy for for quite some time. Do you is there do you have concerns about him? I mean, you you, you mentioned the comp to you know to Baker and comparing him to Justin Fields and you know what Fields has and what he has. Is there anything about his game that concerns you? No, I'm worrying a little bit about social media and things like that because you better learn about social, you know, control of social media. You know that, Bert. I'm not telling yeah. you. You don't know. <laughs> I need to learn control of social media. <laughs> you do, by the way. We'll have that conversation some other time. You know? uh, but, you know, I hey, look, at anyone with some guidance, I remember when I first went to the Jets, okay, when we first went to the Jets, I remember the first day I was sitting in my office, Keyshawn Johnson comes walking in. Now he had just written that book, just give me the damn ball. Right. This was after we had got before we had gotten there, he wrote it. Yeah. So he walked in and he sits down and I'm I'm listening to him. And after about ten minutes, I put my hand up. And I said, You know what, Key? I really don't care what you think right now. When you've showed me all these things that you just said. I'll be willing to listen. But until that time, you know, your opinion doesn't mean too much to me. I don't know if anyone had ever said that to him. How do you react? He was fine with it. Yeah. And you want to know something? I have a I have utmost respect for Keyshawn because no one worked any harder than him. Yeah. No one. So mm-hmm. you had this image like he was, you know, some flake or something. Not him. Yeah. I mean, on and off the field. He'd studied tape as well as anyone I saw, as any, anyone I saw, and on the field. If you told him, "Hey, you're really having trouble, you know, uh, keeping your feet in bounds on the sideline on the tight throws," he would keep a quarterback after, and for a half hour, he'd go work on it. Just him and that guy, right? So you get this image of people like, oh, you know, like he, you know, he's always talking, he's always this. I don't mind people talking just as long as they practice what they preach. So that's what's going to be with Zach then is like making him earn it first and making him like, like, all right, you can show your personality, but you got to like sort of, you know, earn your way to have that like, you know, outward persona. You got to earn it internally first. Hey, and uh, you look at the Patriots. Yeah. You know, Tommy Brady had it really tough when he was first playing. Yeah. Because Drew Bledsoe was on the team. Right. Now, he was in the hospital at first, but, I mean, it was Drew Bledsoe's team. So what's he going to do? You know, he's a second-year player who hasn't played a down of meaningful football. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to act like it's his team? Right. So he had to earn that team. And and it's not like you wave a magic wand and it's your team overnight. Right. All right. So let's go into the kind of the the, – the big thing that everybody was anticipating for the last month which was what are the Niners going to do at three were you surprised the Niners wound up taking Trey Lance you know you've obviously you know coached against uh, Mike Shanahan um, in many occasions you've been on the field with Kyle before Um, were you surprised that Trey Lance was the pick over Mac Jones I was surprised Uh, I was a little surprised but I wasn't as time went on you know, it was Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. And as time went on, you started hearing more about Justin Fields and then Trey Lance, then another Justin Fields workout and another Trey Lance workout where, you know, per, they're almost personal workouts just for the 49ers. 
And then you do some study. I know that North Dakota State, even though it's a lower level of comp, plays a more of a pro style of football than most D- Division One schools do in America. Right. They run check with me's. They run under center. They run play action. They run the ball a lot more than most teams do, by the mm-hmm. way. But uh, you know, I, I know a lot about the program, so it's not like it's not like this guy hasn't been well schooled. And then you look at his numbers. I think coming into this year, what was it? Twenty eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Yep. I mean, you kind of like that ratio a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Well, it's not a bad. It almost bad. looks like a misprint. When you look at it on the on the on the you know on the North Dakota website, it almost looks like a misprint. Yeah. And then didn't he have like another twenty touchdowns running or something like that? Yeah, rush for a thousand yards. Yeah. And so, I mean, you look at this, and regardless of what level you're playing at, all you could do is dominate the guys you're playing with. Right. Well, you know, I mean, that's you, you can't get penalized. Because they're you know they're they're not you know playing against Alabama, I right. mean you play against who you play against. Um, was I surprised? I was mildly surprised only because I thought Mac was going to be the guy, but it's almost like Kyle wanted to challenge himself, right? You know, take this guy who's got a really high ceiling, and have to figure out things that are kind of outside his comfort zone. You right. know, because I, I think that that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to do some. He'd be. It would be wasting this guy's athleticism if you don't use some of those things. Plan on doing some of those things that are outside his normal comfort zone. Do you do you see superstar ability with Trey Lance? Like, because we saw what the Shanahan's that was that one year with Robert Griffin in Washington. And how electric that was. And I think that like the injury and the personal like personality clash there may have played more into like that not working long term. But we saw like we've we've seen like glimpses of that. And then going way back, like, you know, the 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 quarterbacks that Mike Shanahan had, you know, earlier in his career were like Steve Young, like John Elway. We saw what he was capable with those sorts of guys. So I mean, do you look at this and say Man, if the kid puts it together and Kyle Taylor's the offense right for him, like this could really, really explode. Because I sort of I, I sort of get that feeling looking at it, you know, like just kind of putting one together. That's not how I'm looking at it. You know, I'm looking at it, they better be right. <laughs> yeah. For what they gave up. Yeah. And for who they passed on, they better be right. That's how I'm looking at it. You know, do you think do you think the ceiling's high, though? Oh, I do. Yeah. I do think the ceiling's very high. But, you know, there's a lot of unknown here now. The guy's played for one year. Right. And right. hasn't played in a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's played for one year and hasn't played in a year. So we're betting, you know, we're betting on one year against a low level of comp a year right. ago. Think about that now. Yeah to give up all what they gave, all those draft choices, to move up to number three, to pick a guy who hasn't played in a year and only played for a year. Right. I mean, that's that's saying a lot now. What does the reps thing come in for you? Like, you know, you hear that a lot. Like, the, the coaches want quarterbacks to have a certain amount of throws in college. Quarterbacks want – the coaches want quarterbacks to have a certain amount of starts in college. Is that just a matter of – I guess volume of things you've seen is that the way you look at it, or see we didn't look at it like that. You know, okay. there are people 
there are some people who say they'd like to have them have 30 starts. It used to be you want them to have 40 starts. Right. You know, but now people want them to have 30 starts. You know, I look at some of these guys, you know, are a victim of circumstance. Look at like Mac Jones. He's playing behind Jalen and Tua. Right. But he's there the whole time. And he's yeah. running the scout team, tearing up that good defense right there, having fun every day. Because he gets to go against a, a like a Pro Bowl caribou defense mm-hmm. every day with all these guys that are that are getting drafted into the NFL. So he sits behind those guys. So even though he wasn't playing in games every day, he's playing against a high caliber of competition. Now, can you say that about the other guys? Right. Yeah. You could, now you could say it about Fields, but right. can you say that about Trey? No, no, pro- no, no, it's not no, the same. You're not, you're not saying it about Trey, right? No, so I mean, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when you when you're looking at it right there, you're saying, okay, you know, we're going to go on one year, and we, you know, we've seen all the things he could do athletically, and we see the numbers, and we we interviewed him. Hey, I had him on on a sh- on my show last week. I was really impressed talking to him. Yeah, you know, but and and he has a legit reason for sitting out. Right, his team was going to play in the spring. I mean, that's that's a legit reason to. It's not to, his to, fault. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's a legit reason. But still, I mean, I think that there's some there's some risk here. Sure. Okay. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, obviously, you know, I think he's been connected. I mean, him and Trevor have been connected to each other since they were 16 years old. Um, plays in a national championship game. Um, played, got to the playoffs the year before. Um, after transferring from Georgia, now he's going to go play for Matt Nagy. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to me, Charlie, because Matt, like, you know, they tie people time to Trubisky, but like the year before that, like he was the offensive coordinator for Andy in Kansas City. So he was also a huge part of Patrick Mahomes' development um, and had a hand in that. So, like, how do you see the fit, Matt Nagy? like that Andy Reid style of offense with Justin Fields dropped into it? Well, I mean, yeah, I could ask you the question, you know, how, how's Mahomes done? Really well. <laughs> so, I mean, he has, he has a lot of elements of Mahomes, wouldn't you right. say? Yeah, I mean, he's got the big arm. He's probably not as, like, like loose an athlete, right? Like, But he's... Uh, but my is a better runner than Mahomes. A better race faster, yeah, you know, no question. I mean, so uh, I think that you know, hey, look, Mahomes is rare. Let's face it. I mean, he, he doesn't. He's not perfect at everything. But I mean, he's as good as he's as good a player as we've ever seen. I mean, have you seen anyone at that age? No. I mean, like, there's. I mean, what he's time? doing is unprecedented. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 amazing what we're watching right there with him, and he doesn't show any signs of stop him you know it just seems like he's going to get better every year but you know you look at justin fields i mean i you know some people say well he doesn't read fast enough he doesn't go through his progression fast enough i mean he's just running their offense yeah now he's going to come to this offense and they're going to figure out what he does you know i my my advice and i actually gave this advice to somebody close to the organization here today I said, look, figure out what he can do the best and just do a lot of that. You know, and sometimes people don't do the common sense thing. And the, com- and the common sense thing is when you have a young quarterback, you don't ask him to do things in the beginning 
that he's no good at. You grow into those things. You figure you figure out what they do the best, and then you do a whole lot of that. Was that like what was Tom? I just had curiosity. What was Tom good at that like you did early in his? Like, was there something that like in the beginning we were dinking and dunking? Remember, yeah. everyone says, "Well, he can't throw the ball down the field," right? Because we had a really good defense. Yeah. So when he started playing, we played to our defense. Right. In other words, there'd be times where on third down, third down, I would, you know, I would run the ball, and if we didn't get it, we'd punt. Yeah. You know, and as the year went on, we did more and we did more. And next thing you know, he's running, he's he's winning the Super Bowl on a two minute drive against the Rams. I mean, so, I mean, obviously he progressed fast, but anytime you have these guys, you know. You don't have to give them everything to do. Right. You have to give them enough to do. You know, yeah. that's what you need to do. Okay. Now we'll get to the one that I think you're going to know best. You've got pretty good connections in that Alabama program. Your kid uh, used to work for Nick there, Charlie Jr. Um, so you know that that program inside and out. I'm assuming you know Mac pretty well. You know the Patriots program really well, having worked there for five years and having worked with Bill going back to the 90s. Like when the Patriots were on the clock, did you have a pretty good feeling it was going to be Mac? Uh, I couldn't see any other choice. <laughs> okay, why do you say that? Well, I mean, because look, at you know, Bill loves corners. Yep. And the first couple corners were gone. Yep. I mean, if all of a sudden Sertain is there, they could take him. If all if Horn was there, they could take him because you know he loves those guys, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of uh, defensive ends this year, so that wasn't going to be the pick, right? You no. Know, so then you look. Well, you know, if one of those front line receivers are around, you know, even though he doesn't like taking receivers in the first round either, I mean, that could have been that could have been the pick. Yeah, I mean, based off of who was there, I would have been shocked if it was anyone but Mac Jones. Why is Mac a good fit for that place? Well, he's all the things, all the things that we describe in a quarterback is what he is. Right. Every single quality that we describe. Yeah. You know, I hope he doesn't have to play in wind, like I saw him at his press conference today. Right, because they're having the press conference. Were you at the press conference? No, I was not. But well, was it at the press conference? He's almost getting knocked over by the place <laughs> like a gale force wind. <laughs> I mean, you know, so he's going to have to learn to throw on windy days uh, because, as you know, yeah, some windy days at Gillette Stadium they they do they do occur. Right. I mean, but that being said, he has all the components. You know, all the components that you look, you look at these, all, all the all the players that we had there. There's certain attributes you want, mm-hmm. but the ones that are the most important ones for a quarterback really are three. Yeah. Does he have the it factor? Can he handle the game mentally? Can he throw accurate passes? Mm-hmm. They're the three, all three. Of the quarterback. Yeah. The, check, check, check. <laughs> yeah, but they are the three main ones. Now, you could add everything else after that, okay, but they are the three main qualities, and, you know, he's getting an A on all three of those. Do you see any Tom in him? Oh, absolutely I do. But, see, it isn't fair to compare 
Not, I know it's not fair, not, but know, stylistically, you know what I'm saying? Like well, I, these are never fair. Problem. I grew up with Parcells saying there's a whole bus station full of the next Lawrence Taylors. Right. Because every time somebody could rush the passer, he's the next Lawrence Taylor. And then that's such a high expectation to put somebody up again. But do I see a lot of Tommy's elements, Tommy's compo- makeup in Mac? The answer is absolutely yes. Is it like, so I've heard like pocket awareness is one, right? Pocket athleticism, pocket awareness. That's there, right? Like that's similar. Absolutely. Moving in the pocket, because let's face it, Tom is not the fastest person in the entire free world, but he always seemed to find that uncanny ability to be able to have that sixth sense and move, you know, move within the pocket and, and move from the pocket one necessary. And I think that this guy, you know, even though he played against a, a good offensive line, he's very seldom getting hit. Right. And then accuracy is another one in decision-making and processing and all of that. Right. All, like that's all. They're all tied together though. You know, right. You know, they they are. But when you can make good decisions and you're still not accurate, you got a problem. You yeah. Know, when you're when you're accurate but you don't make good decisions, you got a problem. Right. I mean, so they all have to they all have to go together. Do you think that like I mean, when you look at him, do you think he should be playing early then? Like if you're them, are you playing him early? You no, know, I think that you know, th- this is a perfect setup. Let's face it, Cam Cam has every excuse for not playing very well last year. Right. Every excuse. Now yeah. he is definitely part of the problem. You know, he himself is part of the problem, but his talent around him was, was, was not very good. Um, no OTAs coming in, learning the new system without being there. And in COVID both in the big picture and the fact that he got it himself. Right. I mean, you add all those things together. It was, uh, it was like the perfect storm. You know, right. it was like everything that could go wrong went wrong. So a year in the system, a year more grooming on, you know, working on, uh, on on fundamentals. He'll slightly improve his fundamentals. But in reality, all those other things will be better. Therefore, he'll be better. And from what I understand, even though I, I'm not there, I'm heard he's beloved in the locker room, in, yep. in the building. I, everyone, I hear nothing but good things about the guys, which is a, which is a very strong positive. So from my standpoint, with that being said, when when Mac plays, it'll be a combination of two things. When Mac is ready and when Cam gives him reason to play. Yep. Okay. So, because if Cam doesn't give him reason to play, then Cam should keep playing. One last thing on the on the Mac Brady comparison, because I thought this was interesting. I talked to a coach who who knows Tom who interviewed uh, Mac during the process. Um, had a Zoom interview with him. And he said that like the personality really struck me like Tom. And I said, and I asked, what do you mean? And he said, cocky humility. Does that make sense to oh, you? Yeah, because this, this, this guy doesn't, you know, here, here's a story I've heard. I heard that he used to get Saban mad all the time on show team because he wouldn't just throw to the circled guy. Okay. You know, a lot of times those guys who coach defense want you to throw to one guy, whether he's open or not. Yep. Because they want their their them to have to play up, make a play on that. Mm-hmm. Well, Mac wouldn't do that. He'd throw to whoever was open on the play, and I heard Saban would get mad all the time. 
Well, I mean, you've got to have some guts with Saban to do that now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're a college kid playing on the show team. You have some have have to have some guts to not throw to the circle guy. Right. And that shows what competitiveness to you. That shows like some moxie, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say more moxie than competitiveness, because it's it's showing to showing them saying, "Look, I'm I'm gonna throw to the guy who's open. I'm not I'm not gonna just pacify you and throw to the guy who's triple covered." Was Brady a pain in the ass on the show team? Oh, absolutely. He was <laughs> in two thousand competitive. Yeah, he was competitive. He was competitive on the show team. Now, competitive. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. Before we let you go, one last thing, and I and I think this is just kind of hovering over all of this, and that's the Aaron Rodgers situation. So, I have to ask you this because, you know, you know the position so well, and you've been around great players at the position. Um, you know, obviously that situation sort of feels like it's disintegrated over the last year or so since they drafted Jordan Love. If you're Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, the head coach and, and, and general manager in, in Green Bay right now, what are you doing? How are you handling this? Well, I think it's one of I think one of three things. Okay, so I'm gonna go over the three things. You wait till after June one and trade them. Mm-hmm. Because the cap hit would be too bad this year. I mean, uh, so if they trade them, it wasn't going to be before the draft. It just uh, would just get massacred. Mm-hmm. Okay, which I don't think it's going to happen. But you might say, Let, let's give a hypothetical. Maybe that's the reason why Denver didn't take the, take a quarterback. You know, right? I'm just using that as a hypothetical. I don't think that's happening. I think you just hold on to them and say, we're playing with you this year. And then we'll worry about next year, next year. And I think that he's a possible holdout. He's a possible holdout guy. Yeah. It's amazing too. Cause it's like, it's so mirrors the Brett Favre situation, like whatever it was 13 years ago. Cause it was, they draft a young guy. Then, you know, I think Favre saw the Patriots go out and sign Randy Moss. And so it's like, well, why can't I have that? So he gets pissed off. And like you see it now, like, you know, Rogers looking at the Buccaneers and seeing like how aggressive they are in building around Brady. Why can't I have that? You know, and like then, you know, and then you get the young quarterback nipping at your heels. And it's just it's so interesting how some of this stuff can how history sort of repeats itself, you know, Charlie. And it looks like, remember David David Dunn's his agent. Mm-hmm. David Dunn was the same guy who talked Carson Palmer out of Cincinnati. Right. Okay. So don't be surprised if, if they aren't they don't try a similar attack right here to try to get him out of there. Yeah, it it'll sure be interesting. All right, we appreciate you coming on, Charles. On, on short notice, Charles. He is. All right, now I'm going to get this right. Former no, Patriots head coach or former Patriots offensive coordinator, former Jets offensive coordinator, former Florida offensive coordinator, former Chiefs offensive coordinator, and former Kansas and Notre Dame head coach. How'd I do? That's right. You got all those right. Oh. I got all those right. Okay. Okay. Um, always appreciate the time, Charlie. Um, and we'll have Charlie back on again soon. Appreciate you guys coming out for this special post-draft, post-first-round episode of the Albert Breer Show. Be sure to listen to and subscribe to all of our podcasts. This podcast, the MMQB Monday Morning Podcast, the Weekside Podcast. You can find us wherever you find all your shows, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your shows, we are there. We'll see you guys to wrap up the draft. 
coming here in a few days.